0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Rosalba Torres, was born to Mexican immigrant parents and grew up with traditional Roman Catholic beliefs. After visiting another denomination with her mother, she began questioning the existence of God and even believed herself to be an atheist until she fell very ill following the birth of her second child. Rosie experienced her NDE in 2014 due to this very serious debilitating gastric condition that left her in a near vegetative state. Despite comprehensive medical intervention, Rosie remained in constant, torturous pain. In sheer desperation, she called out to a higher power, if there was one, to heal her from her pain and suffering. And soon after her plea, she left her body and experienced a life-altering NDE where she was told, life is not what you have been taught. Jesus escorted her back to her body, and Rosie was spontaneously healed. Following her experience, Rosie began working on overcoming her past mistakes and what had been inflicted on her, basically, at the hands of others. And since her NDE, Rosie began doing the necessary internal work of clearing her consciousness of what she had been taught about life and sought out answers to her questions about her experience. In her quest for answers, Rosie had come um, had some impactful STEs, spiritually transformative experiences, and was eventually led to the, the St. Germain book series. The support of her parents also helped motivate her career and personal development, and today she is a guided meditation teacher, sound therapist, and bridal model. Rosie has two sons, Alex and Vincent, ages 25 and 9. Today, Rosie's message is, love is the strongest force in the universe, love is all there is, and love is the only thing that can correct our conditions. Rosie Torres, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: it it's wonderful to have you and to uh, and to hear about your experience <clears throat> let's start with your um uh, as you as you were being raised catholic did you go through uh, first communion and confirmation
1: yes i did I, I i did i did all the catholic you know celebrations uh, first communion we had a nice party and uh you know grew up with all the you know the traditional catholic you know celebrations Yes. Um, and it was beautiful. I mean, my experiences um, with uh, the, re- the religious, the Catholic religion was, was, was pretty positive um, as a child. Mm-hmm.
0: So, why did your mom try another religion?
1: I think that uh, as she um, was just so uh, burdened because of her marriage and it not working out. Mm. Um, she seeked a different religion to get her answers as to why her relationship with my father wasn't wasn't working out, and um, I believe that's the reason why she did it. Is because she she was looking for her answers somewhere else because she couldn't find them in the in the Catholic re, you know teachings.
0: Yeah, but this religion didn't work for you, did it?
1: No, it didn't work for me. The it was. Uh, Christian Baptist, um, religion or church that she was attending that, um, you know, she, she brought me there as a teenager and, uh, it didn't, it didn't work for me. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with the, with the religion or the, or the, or the teachings. It's pretty much similar to, you know, um, what's been taught in the Bible. It was just the way the pastor interpreted the message to us that really, you know, installed a lot of fear in me. Um, and I just couldn't buy into the fact that God was a uh, judging God or that we would be condemned for our sins and thrown into this huge, um, the way it was described to me, it was like a huge just hole in, 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 the, in the earth. You know, I looked like an earth, at least the picture that was shown to me. And there was burning flames, And so we're being thrown into this tunnel of just burning fire. And I just could not, I couldn't process that. It didn't, it just wasn't, it didn't leave a very, it didn't leave me in a place of where I felt loved or protected Mm. from, you know, as a child, as a little girl, I always had this desire to know God. And that was for me what I had that image of God. And I grew up, like that, as a child, believing that. And then when I go to this church and this pastor puts things in a very negative way for us as teenagers, well, it really scared me away. And so I started drifting away from religion or anything that had to do with God.
0: Yeah. So you went from being a a happy Catholic, basically, as a child, to uh, atheism and anger and some darkness in your life?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, during my uh, teen years, um, I became pregnant very young. I had Alex at 17. And so that choice I made from a place of fear, too, because I really wanted love. I desired love from my parents. And they didn't really give me much love, you know, Mm -hmm. because they themselves were working on trying to love themselves. So I had a baby young and I was looking for that love in my child, you know, and um, and that brought a lot of, you know, hardships for me because it was hard to raise a child with me myself being a teenager. Uh, I uh, had you know, some difficulty adjusting to being a mom and still being in high school and then having a baby and just trying to make money to support the baby and having a, you know, having to get a job at a very young age Mm. to support my child. And luckily, I was uh, able to graduate high school, you know, with my baby in my arms. And I'll never forget how, you know, it's just the whole celebration of, you know, my graduation ceremony, everybody was getting up and clapping because I was one of the first teen girls who actually made it through high school having a baby. Um, So that was a beautiful experience for me. But again, it led to a lot of difficulty after that in being able to raise the baby and being so young, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, Were your parents supportive uh, of, of you and the baby?
1: Yeah, they were. They were supportive. They they helped me the best that they could in my, you know, once the baby started growing up, I mean, they were there for me at the beginning. And once the baby started growing up, there was just too much, um, too much negativity going, uh, you know, between my parents. And I didn't want my child to grow up around all that negativity. Mm-hmm. So I moved out when I was 20. And I left, I left my home. And um, I was working and rented an apartment, you know, and back then when I was growing up, a one bedroom apartment here in California was, or in San Diego was $650 dollars. that's how much I paid in rent, you know, so
0: not anymore,
1: (laughs) not anymore. Yeah. But back then it was that much. And I was working, you know, in the mortgage business, I had a receptionist job, an eight to five receptionist job. And I was able to pay my bills that way. I wasn't paid minimum wage. So I I was actually able to, you know, pay $650 a month in rent. Um, But with that said, I still faced a lot of challenges even during that time because I was so young and I had a baby and it definitely taught me uh, huge lessons. Mm.
0: And then it was the, after the birth of your second child that um, you, you began to feel sick. I guess this was a really devastating disease that you had.
1: Yeah. So when I, um, you know, when I had Vincent, just through, through the, just the whole, you know, all those years being just in such a state of fear, and being in a relationship with their father that wasn't healthy, it created a lot of negativity in me, a lot of ups and downs during during that time. And so by the time I was in my early 30s, I after I had my child, um, I had a issue with joint problems. Five months after Vincent was born, I could not move my arms or stand. It was very difficult to walk. I had a uh, inflammation of the tendons. I had MRIs done by the orthopedist. I was seeing an orthopedist at the time and he couldn't understand what was going on because it's not very common for somebody to have Tendinitis in every joint of their body. It's usually in an elbow or in a knee or in a, you know, in an ankle. But for me, every MRI that they did, it was showing an inflammation of the tendons of the joint. It was inflamed. And I was in so much pain. It was Horrible, the pain that I was in, because I couldn't carry my baby. It was so difficult just to carry my child. Simple things like brushing your teeth, taking a shower was very difficult for me because I was in so much pain.
0: Wow. So then one day you say you, you lay down on your living room couch and uh, and I guess in despair asked if there is a higher power. I need your help. And uh, tell us what happened
1: so yeah so this went on for about 18 months this this uh whole thing with the issue with with my joints and you know I was an atheist at the time I didn't believe in in anything more than physical the physical I was very much drawn into just the physical domain and so you know seeing different doctors and getting all these cortisone shots and getting painkillers and nothing was working because I couldn't function on these painkillers. It was so difficult to function. So Mm -hmm. I I just went to the orthopedist after 18 months and I'll never forget what I said to him. I said, you know, I've been coming here for a very long time. I've been getting all this physical therapy, injections, painkillers that I can't even take because I can't function and, you know, taking these painkillers. So I really just need to stop. I need to stop coming here. I need to stop wasting your time and my time too, because I have to get a ride here and it's hard. It's difficult for people to get me here. So I just said, I I just just need to stop everything, all the treatments. And so I did. And I went home and I was in tears because I did not know what was going to happen to me. I was on the verge of suicide at that time. I remember... My thoughts were very much suicidal. I did not want to live because I couldn't. I would see my child and I couldn't take care of them. Right. Um, and so I just began to say, okay, I sat myself down. If there is a God, which at the time, again, I was not a believer, you know. But I remember the strength in that prayer that I gave out. It was a very powerful prayer. And with the intensity of unconditional love, I remember the intensity I felt when I called out to God, it was pure, unconditional love. I said, I need your help. And I need it now, because I've been going through this for a very long time. And I don't want to be this way anymore. And so I sat down on my living room couch and I was le- sleeping on this couch for 18 months because I couldn't sleep on my side because of the pain, you know, in my, in my elbows. So I was literally sleeping like a mummy for, for this long. As I'm lying down, all of a sudden, my essence or consciousness started traveling into a whole different dimension. I was not here. I could not feel my body i was in a place of pure light and perfection all i could feel and experience there was perfection there was no imperfection i could see other beings there i didn't know who they were but i knew they were there to protect me i knew because of the just the vibration they carried it was a cosmic vibration it was powerful it was angelic it was one of those things that you're in that presence and you instantly get healed just from being in that presence and so i i had this internal desire for so many months to carry my son vincent i really just wanted to carry him and be pain free And in this realm, I could carry, I could feel myself with my arms carrying little Vincent and grabbing him and just with so much love. I mean, gosh, it was just euphoric and unconditional, you know, like ecstasy. It was, it was just amazing and i could see my other son alex there and i believe they were there in their in their higher self you know the higher self the one we speak about so much where we're no longer attached to a physical body where who we really are this pure essence of god and i was in so much joy and light i wanted to just bathe in that perfection mm-hmm. there was light everywhere it was just pure tropical light love pure love and I could feel that vibration just running through my through through my body there but in there that my body wasn't a physical it was it was just it was like the higher the higher self and I did not want to leave I wanted to stay there I just was enveloped in so much love
0: was, and, what, what was the setting there? Did you, did you see anything uh, besides yes, those, did. those other beings? Describe what you saw.
1: I saw like, you know how like most people talk about the light of God, how it's this powerful, beautiful light. Mm-hmm. I was like in the heart of God. Mm-hmm. That's, it was like a beautiful fire of light and love. It was like I was bathing in his heart. That's what it felt like to me because of the massive of perfection and unconditional love I experienced there. It was light, it was beautiful. It was it was emanating perfection. It, everything was perfect, like luxurious, if I have to put it that way. Gold, like gold light and flames of light emanating everywhere. Uh, And then also tropical, because I've always had a desire in the physical realm to travel to tropical beaches. I I always love that. And so there I was also like in this tropical, beautiful place on top of the light of God just emanating and expressing his love towards me and my desire to experience just this light of love and perfection. But also it was like the adding of the tropical oceans there you know and so i was just enveloped in so much love and i could actually feel my baby's body in my arms like if i was really carrying him i could feel it and his essence was perfect wow. and so as i'm just there all of a sudden i was pulled out of there and the 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 image of jesus was right in front of me emanating so much light and love, and he slowly brought me back into my body. He didn't leave me to just return on my own. He actually brought me back, back slowly, slowly, and I'm now there back in my body. But as he's bringing me back, he communicated to me, not in words, but in an, like in a form of feeling that I could not stay because it was not my time. I couldn't stay there. Mm. But I was also informed that I was going to get well, that you're going to be okay. You're going to heal. It's going to be okay.
0: I think you said, too, that that you saw the sacred heart of Jesus. Yeah, I saw
1: that image of the sacred heart of Jesus as he's bringing me back, and there was so much light coming out of his heart. And this is why I mention about me being in the heart of God because that's exactly what I I know I experience in that realm with so much love and and everything's perfect mm. and then as I'm coming back there's all this all this beautiful light coming out of his heart and I could feel the frequency just uplifting me so much that it's almost overwhelming because not overwhelming in a in a bad way but it's like whoa you know this is, this is- so much love and as I'm coming back I, I, was, I was told I couldn't stay, and I was also told that I would get well, that I was going to be okay. And all I had to do was love. That's all I had to do. That's my mission. All you need to do is love. That's it. There's nothing else you need to do. As I'm coming back into my body, he returns back with me, doesn't leave me. And then slowly, as I'm just trying to just get myself, whoa, like this experience I had, he slowly fades away, fades away from me, mm-hmm. and my body heals automatically.
0: Was, was it Jesus who said to you, life is not what you've been taught? Or was that Yeah,
1: something? yeah, it was exactly him. Like, life is not what you've been taught in the message that I I receive and what I mean, what I I feel I mean by that, or what I felt at the time is that it is about love. It is what it's about. That's why we're here. We're here to learn and we are here to love. That is our mission. Um, at, At humanity, that's what they come here for. And especially unconditional love. That was one of the things that was communicated to me, not verbally, but in the feeling the feeling that we connected with each other, that's what it was. Um, I'm so grateful, you know, because I battled with this illness for so long. It it really almost took me down. And I came from somebody who was a total atheist, total science-based, only believed in science and whatever science said, to now being fully enveloped in this love and healed, it just transformed my 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 consciousness. I couldn't think the same way I thought before. Mm.
0: When you told your your sons, well, of course, it would be your older son uh, about your your experience. He didn't have any um, uh, memory of being there with you, did he? Um, no, no,
1: no. He did not have any memory. He he actually when I you know I really had trouble integrating back into the physical world. Because here everything is is, is is not that way. You know, we're 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 not we don't we don't think that way, we don't live that way. And so I thought, how how can I share this? Who do I share this with that will understand me without judgment, that will hear me out? And so I tried with my son Alex and it didn't work. I got shut down by him. I even got ridiculed by him. I he kind of thought it was, you know. Not kind of. He thought it was pretty nutty what I was telling him. He said, I said, said, how do you think I healed? I mean, do you? He said, I don't know how you healed. But that sounds really untrue. So I I I shut down. I I didn't share with any other family members. I I thought that if I told them I would be ridiculed, I would be told that I was crazy. And so I just didn't share it. I, I kept it to myself.
0: Now, the Sacred Heart of Jesus is a very strong Catholic uh, image. I mean, there are pictures of of that um, throughout uh, throughout all of the d- different countries. All the different nationalities who are Catholic have images like that. Perhaps your parents would have responded to your describing that vision
1: yeah, you know if, if I would have shared, maybe my mother, I think, would have responded more more so than my father. But at the time, I was just happily that I was able to carry my son Vincent. I didn't care if they didn't believe me. If my son Alex, at the time, my focus was, I need to take care of this baby because I haven't been able to do that for so long. And I just put it aside and I enjoyed my 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 time as a mother and just trying to make up all that lost time of not being able to take care of them. And so I just I just didn't share. I just spent as much time as I could with my, with my baby.
0: Hmm. What did your doctors say about your healing? They must've been astounded.
1: You know, I never went back to see him. This doctor in La Jolla (laughs) here in California, Yes. <laughs> He's actually a very well-known doctor because he works with the Chargers. He's actually uh-huh. the orthopedist of the San Diego. Char- well, at the time there was the San Diego Chargers, not anymore. They're LA now. But you know, uh, I never went back to his office. I just I was just grateful that I was well and that I was able to be a mommy to my younger son and take care of him. Mm. I began to seek my answers even more in a more profound way to my experience because I couldn't integrate into the world. I had, I struggled for a long time, you know, trying to integrate that experience.
0: Yeah. I think you told me that um, you lost a lot of your old friends uh, after the changes the NDE brought on.
1: I did. I, you know, again, with the experience, I had this upgrade of, you know, my, what I wanted for myself. I didn't want to be around so much negativity anymore. I didn't want to participate in any more gatherings where there was so much judgment and condemnation and separation. I just desired to be more in a, you know, in a a place of inner peace and love and be surrounded by like-minded people. Even the church where I was attending, um, I, I stopped attending. I, I I couldn't because again it wasn't aligned. Some of the teachings that the you know the, again the pastor was was teaching was just not aligned with what I had experienced there. So I I just stopped uh, going to places and seeing people that didn't didn't align with that because I had this upgrade of just knowing that it's really about love and connection and the way to know god is through unconditional love that that was my message is if you really want to know who i am unconditional love is who i am
0: yeah you told me that as you were coming back into your body you felt this heavy density of of um living in the world and i think you said that it was you believe it's due to human ignorance yeah. how, how do you connect those two
1: you know I think that we've been taught about God. You know, we all have been. I know, as a child, I was taught about God. Our Constitution talks about God. Our money—I mean, if you look at our money, it talks about in God we in God we trust, right? All of those things are out there for us to know God. But I think that we have ignored that and put it aside and gone on with. Something else. So, in my experience, when I came back, yeah, I had trouble uh, understanding how can how can it be that we've done this, you know, and 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 the negativity that. We've surrounded ourselves by our own free will because we're beings of choice. I was, also, I was also informed about that. We are beings of choice. We are beings of free will. We choose what we want to experience. And through thought, feeling, and spoken word is how we began to manifest things. So that was a huge wake up call for me, too, because before that experience, I was asleep to that. I didn't know that I was living in so much ignorance that I didn't know that my thoughts and feelings were important. My temple. I wasn't taking care of my temple. I was pretty much going based on what was going on in the outer world instead of going within myself and working with the light within me.
0: And at some point you became a Kundalini yoga instructor. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so after my experience, I began to seek my answers. I really wanted to know more, you know. I really wanted to know more about where could I find my answers about my experience, where, where. So I started, I was a seeker, okay. I began going to, you know, churches to see if I could find my answers there, and I didn't find them there. I I even became a kundalini yoga teacher. I didn't find my answers there either until... I came across this PBS show by Wayne Dyer where he was talking about the book, The I Am Discourses. And so he read part of the first chapter. And when he began to read that book, a light bulb went off in me. Something inside of me said, you need to read this book. You need to, you need to get your hands on this book. So I purchased the book and I read the first book. And I was astounded by how aligned it was with what I had experienced, that, that presence of God. And I didn't know there were more books. I, I thought it was just that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I read it and I said, okay, this is a wonderful reading, but I need more. I need more. So I looked up on, you know, on the internet about ions. I looked up near-death experiences. How can I get connected? Who could I talk to? And so I started joining the, the, the groups, the meeting groups, and I came across a story by a veteran that shared what had happened to him, and he talked about the books.
0: Mm, Tony Woody. Right. Yes, we've had him on the show.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I was looking at the, at the group meetings, and there was a meeting there that was only for veterans only if you've been in the military you can join this meeting and again this powerful intuitive voice said you need to get in that meeting hey i'm a girly girl i have i don't know anything about veterans i mean i know something about them but not fully you know about what they've done you know at the time now i'm i've educated myself more about it so i joined the meeting and right there in front of me there is tony woody right in front of me in that meeting. And I said, I, I, I typed a message and I said, I need to talk to you. And we, we talked. We ended up doing a Zoom call together and he helped me with the rest of the books. He talked to me about the rest of the books.
0: Now, was that before or after 2017 when you had that uh, three days of kind of enlightening STEs?
1: That was after after. That's when I began seeking even more, was after okay. that experience. Well,
0: let's go back to the, then 2017. You had three days of, and I think you said you were gaining self-knowledge, and it was from a higher voice that you think came from yourself. But tell us what you, what, what, uh, what you taught yourself there.
1: So again, I, uh, I was uh, really wanting to experience that that beautiful energy of divine unconditional love, and I had never meditated before. Uh, i i didn't know what meditation was so i began to again sit in my in, in my in my in my bedroom saying what what can i do to really help myself you know get back to that place where i was and so that internal voice said meditate and i said what is meditation i don't know what this is <laughs> what, what am i supposed to do with this i just sat down and i began to quite do my best at quieting my mind. And all of a sudden I began to feel this energy of love travel in through my crown. And it was so beautiful and powerful. I thought, wow, this is, this is my way out. This is where I can rest my mind in the light of God and not have anything to do with this physical world, because it was just too, too heavy for me, you know, from my experience back in 2014. And so that I became, I became, you know, a, a, medit- a meditation person. I started meditating daily. And so one day in July, all of a sudden, I get up and I start hearing the voice of, I don't know, if it was a higher power speaking to me through my, through my own consciousness, telling me about lessons and telling me about free will. And it was the I am presence. It was the I am speaking through me and telling me that it is important to love. If I want to continue on that path, I had to love unconditionally and I had to live in obedience to the light. And the light will take me exactly where I need to be in life. I don't have to try to figure it out or try to seek it out because then, then, then we're living in fear and we're, we're not really surrendering to the light and it this happened for about three days where I could feel and hear this light speak to me and it wasn't my voice it was a very gentle voice a very angelic voice and it was masculine it was not feminine and that is what thrusted me even more towards wanting more answers because I got some of my answers there but not all of it. I want. I just was a seeker. I really wanted more and more and more of my questions answered. Mm-hmm. And that's when I uh, I joined the Ions, and I you know I pursued to find out more about God.
0: With this voice that you were hearing, was it a dialogue? Were you asking questions and getting answers, or did you just sit and listen?
1: It was every thought I had. It knew what I was thinking, and it answered my question through thought. Wow. It was all through thought. Every thought, there's my answer. Every thought I had, it knew what I was thinking. It's like you have the thought of, I'll give you an example. You have the thought of wanting to eat ice cream. You want to eat ice cream. You want to go to the store. You want to eat vegetables. It was that consciousness, that intelligence that knew what I was thinking, and it was answering my question through my own thoughts. Very powerful, very, very powerful. I mean... Oh my goodness! I, I just was in tears because I, I, I you know, I became sen- very sensitive to energy after that, even more so than before. An empath, you know, and I knew I had to learn to protect my energy because of the sensitivity that, that I that I experienced. What I mean by that is that just the sensitive of of how sensitive God is to His children. It's, 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 and then when, when you when you connect to that you know and, and you align with it, then you become like God. you become you know not sensitive and where God is weakness. but no, God's sensitivity is strength. it's the complete opposite of what we've been taught here because we've been taught that to be sensitive is to be weak and it actually isn't. It's the complete opposite. It's actually a strength. but you've got to learn how to strengthen that sensitivity and that's what i needed to do
0: how do you manifest unconditional love in in such a treacherous world
1: you got to be it you just got to be that unconditional love for yourself and you love god put god first cuz god is unconditional love and the more you have love for god and the more you live in obedience to the light the more you can be that in yourself and Because other people, not unless they are really connecting to God like that, they cannot love you unconditionally. It's not in their consciousness to do that. So that's the reason why we haven't been able to manifest that here on earth is because we have not, all of us as a collective, done this. If we all did that, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. But at least if some of us do that, we'll be huge service to God. It's a huge service to God. Because manifesting is not just about wanting, because we're consistently wanting things. We want to have nice things. We want, want, want. And so God says, okay, you want, want, want. But I want, want, want you to give service if you want me to help you, you know?
0: So if God is really the source of unconditional love, and we could possibly, you know, hopefully, ideally manifest that, I guess it would mean that we would have to totally overcome fear and our ego is always afraid of being hurt, you know, of some something going wrong, of you know, we want to protect ourselves. But if we could manifest that or if we could utilize God's unconditional love purely enough, we could not have that fear. I mean, I think the fear would go away as well as the as the love grew, the fear would disappear.
1: Absolutely. The more we we have love for God, it'll purify us enough. Even our human self, you know, the ego, which we call ego, it's the human self. It would purify it enough to move us out of the limitations of how much love we can give, and it'll bring more light and we are there now a full expression of God in a physical world. We would create heaven on earth. That's exactly what we would do. But we gotta purify ourselves enough our human self, to get us there. Mm
0: -hmm. Were there any other messages that you received in those three days that you'd like to share with us?
1: The message I received besides that one is, again, what we mentioned in the bio is love is the most powerful force in the universe. Love is all there is. And the more we connect to God's will, which is unconditional love, the more it will be revealed to us. Not just our purpose, but our freedom to be able to live in love and not resist it. You know, because what happens when we are so much stuck in the darkness, it creates disease, limitations. We're not healthy people to be around, right? Mm. So we ourselves, out of our own free will, need to choose. That's how God can work through us, is through our own free will, is choosing love. Choosing light and choosing to be a full expression of divine love for others, not just ourselves. You know, in my workshops, I tell people if you really want to know God, you do something out of kindness for somebody, go out into the world and show a gesture of kindness, a smile, or Some type of service to the light so that you can help others. That'll help you be more kind and be more aligned with the light. It's like you're working that spiritual muscle out by doing these things. It doesn't mean to be meditating all the time to work your spiritual muscles. No, because we cannot sit all day and meditate at home. You know, we have to be in the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Nobody's eternal. We're all going to go someday, but we also have to go out and do God's work if we want to change the world.
0: I think Jesus said, if you do so much as give one of my disciples a cup of water, then it's a blessing on, on you. And uh, that, so it's, it's many small things, usually, rather than one great thing. That, uh,
1: Absolutely. They're just simple things. You know, it, it, it's not, you ha- don't have to give people money if you can't. But it's just simple things. Like, you know, one of the things I do myself that I've been doing, was before the pandemic I my son Vincent and I we would go out and make these signs and we would give people free hugs and there were so many people we uplifted through just hugging them gosh even Vincent even got paid for doing that a few times people actually (laughs) paid him for the hugs I mean I mean the sign said free hugs and people older people were said oh my gosh cute little boy he's out here you know making an effort to hug people let's give him five bucks you know that did happen to my younger son. So that's pure evidence that it's highly needed. I mean, when people see you do that, they're, wow, that's something we don't see every day. You know, it's not very common in this world. So if we go out there and do that more often, then we can help raise the vibration of the planet and live in a more state of, of love instead of
0: fear. Do you think at some point you'll tell Vincent about your NDE? Yeah,
1: when he grows up, I, I totally am going to tell him. I actually i am working on writing a book right now. Because I want to help my culture, you know, my culture, the Latinos, uh, Central Mexico. I'm from Central Mexico, from uh, Jalisco. At least my culture is very close-minded to this to this type of information. They're not very open to it, and so I think for me, as a as a as a Latina woman, I would help um, a lot of people in my culture understand what love is and what love is not, and what really is true for us as latinos is to open up to receiving and giving love unconditional love that's that's one of my goals is to uh you know i got started on this book last year and um about halfway there i'm just gonna see how it goes but i really want to help my culture
0: do you expect to publish it in mexico
1: no, I don't think so, because I've been in the U.S. since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. I've always been here. I'll never leave this country. This is my country. This is my country where I, I love it here. If I get it published, it would be here, but I would get it, you know, in, into Mexico somehow, so that maybe if I have to travel down there, so that they can read it. But I'll never, like, go live down there, you know, and, and be, be down there for that purpose. No. I belong here in the U.S. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think some at some point you said that not talking about your near-death experience was like having a rock in your shoe that you it just bothered you that you waited so long to start telling people about it. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, it bothered me because I couldn't share it with my family. I felt caged in, like restricted, you know. I had this experience. I couldn't share it because they didn't believe me. Well, my son didn't believe me. And, and at the time, you know, I thought if I share it with my parents, they're probably not going to believe me either. So, yeah, it felt like it bothered me. Like, I really want to, you know, talk to people about this and talk to them about God. But it wasn't until, oh, my goodness, until I was able to tell Lilia, one of the, uh, one of my dear friends that I, I was able to open up and talk to her about it, that I finally felt a release because when she listened to me, she listened to me without judgment. There was no judgment there. There was pure light. And, you know, I was able to open up perfectly to her and I was finally really, like, I felt like I could breathe, you know, like, ah, oh. Finally, I could tell somebody. And it was like that rock in the shoe was not there anymore because I removed it. I was able to open up and surrender and not be judged for, you know, my experience. And uh, and that Saint Germain, you know, series books also helped me release that rock out of my shoe. That's where I got my answers. And I suggest to people who have had these experiences, if they're looking for their answers, to look for somebody that they can talk to that will not judge them. And like for myself, these books, the St. Saint, Germain series books, the green books, that also helped me. So I, I, that is my advice is to get a hold of these books to the, through the saintgermainpress.com That is where I got them, and that will help them.
0: Oh, Lilia Samoilo is a wonderful listener, isn't she?
1: She's a wonderful listener. She really helped me in so many ways with just listening to me, and there was no judgment there. Mm. And I felt just a relief that I was able to share my story with somebody that understood me.
0: Yeah, it's been wonderful working with her on NDE Radio. And she's also very interested in St. Germain and the connection that you've made. Tell us a little about what the St. Germain book series is about.
1: Well, you know, I tell people because the books are so beautiful that it's better if you read them yourself so that you get the words exactly how they are in the books, you know? But one thing I can say about them is that they brought a lot of light into my life and they brought me to the understanding of unconditional love because that is is that that is what I experience. So... I, I tell people, read the books because that way you get exactly the information, how it is said in the books. I, I, I might, if I try to say it, it might not come out exactly that way. So I'd rather have people that are interested in the books to read them themselves, but they mm-hmm. do hold a lot of light.
0: Uh, in a conversation we had yesterday, you said that we all have like an innate desire to love. And then we go out and we choose what we want to love, sometimes wisely, sometimes not so wisely. But talk about that uh, that uh, freedom to choose and, and how we can get a- added guidance in what we choose from light.
1: Yeah. So do you notice that every human being has a desire to love something? People love their wives, their dogs, food, money it's our it's it's natural for us to want to love something we all must love something right so it's because obvious it's obvious that we come from that love but the thing is that are we loving those things that we desire to love unconditionally that's what I mean you know is it really unconditional love so That is one of my messages in my classes that I give in my in my sessions for um, the workshops I give to people, because we all have the desire. I love my sons. I love my parents. But do I love them unconditionally? Like if they do something wrong, am I consistently judging them or feeling, thinking negative things about them? So that is not unconditional love, because unconditional love. Look at Corinthians 13. It does not judge. It does not hold record of wrongs. It is pure, unconditional. It forgives everything because it doesn't hold on to, to things that are not of the light. Hmm. So once we learn how to love that way, then we'll really know, oh, wow, this is the way God loves. Because God is not condemning anybody. Nobody's condemned by God. It is us who have we have condemned ourselves through our negative thinking.
0: Yeah. Well St Paul who wrote uh, Corinthians uh, 13 you know said faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love he experienced a near death experience himself when he was uh, st- stoned to death basically in a village and uh and he talks about it just briefly in Corinthians but it's um it's maybe where he learned all of what Jesus was all about you know and one you you know how much we can take in Although we don't tend to remember it normally, all the information that we get when we're on the other side—perhaps he was gifted with the with the ability to remember it all—and uh, I I attribute Corinthians thirteen to what he learned from uh, from the light on the other side during his absolutely. NDE. Absolutely,
1: yes, absolutely. It's you know, it's uh, it's such a powerful and evidence. For, for for me, at, at least, I don't know about everybody else, because I'm in my own head, I'm in my own consciousness, that uh, I see it every day, how I see people love their dogs, I see people love their relatives. I mean, it's huge evidence that every single human being must love something. Even those folks who love their money, they must love something. And that's great. That's amazing. But here's the here's key is are we really, really connecting internally to who we really are? Because if we were, we would love everybody, not just our pets and our relatives, because that is unconditional love, is when we see love in everybody, not just our relatives and our pets. And that is the one that I know for sure is what was the message for me as well, is that Rosie... If you want to know God, really deeply know the heart of God, what you experience on the other side when you were in that light, in that flame of light and love, and you want to experience that in the physical, be mm-hmm. unconditional love yourself, even if other people are not because you're helping God, just with the presence of the thought of unconditional love and the feeling of unconditional love for God. That is all you need to do. And with that, you'll be able to help others.
0: When you look at the world today and the racism and the violence, shooting in the streets and all of the things that are going on, does it seem like there's a force of evil that we're um, having to deal with? Or is it uh, just the absence of the light that we're dealing with?
1: I think it's an absence of the light because we're not, again, feeling and living in love. So when we're not feeling and living in love, everything we do externally is out of fear. So fear and fear feeds negativity. Um, And it's not healthy to live that way. You know?
0: I'm glad your dog is willing to comment on that too.
1: Yeah. My apologies. uh, It's actually (laughs) my friend's uh, doggy. uh, They were out in the back and, I apologize for that. I hope it.
0: Yeah. I, that's, my that's, that's all right. My dog interferes with my show on a regular basis. It's not a problem. Well, Rosie, we're just about out of time anyway. It's not the barking, but um, the fact that we are, we are limited in our, in our time, but I want to thank you so much for talking about your NDE and, um, and what you learn from it and where you're going with it. All of the uh, tools that you've um picked up either from the other side or from uh, saint germain it's um, i think all of this is valuable information for for the listeners and uh i hope you do well with your book because uh if you could get it into the churches especially if you could get it into both catholic and protestant churches it would open up so much for the for the congregations if they could understand that this is not some sort of a joke that near-death experiences, is God still speaking to us and uh, we should be listening.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, my message is really for people who are dealing with difficulty with their health, difficulty with sharing their stories, you know, their spiritual transformative experiences and they're seeking their answers is to find somebody that will listen to them without judgment
0: mm.
1: and to try to live as much as they possibly can in love, in unconditional love for themselves to clear their consciousness daily, do things that raise their vibration. That's very healing as well. I had to do those things during my, my, my time, you know, um, after coming back, I had to start connecting more to things that brought me joy to feel joy and gratitude is a powerful one. If that's one thing I could, put in this recording mm. or in this message is to feel and live gratitude every day with so much intensity that it just transforms you completely.
0: And forgiveness is a an important component. In that.
1: Absolutely. Forgiving people, forgiving the acts that have happened in the past, because we can't live in the past. The past is gone. We need to let it go and create something new, something more aligned with the light, because we're powerful creators. So the more we create from a place of love, the more we will know God. For those people who want to reach out to me or have questions or need help with anything I could possibly help them with, they could reach me through email and I'd like to leave my email address if that's okay.
0: Of course it is.
1: And excuse the barking of the dog. It's actually not my dog. And I didn't think it was going to be barking this much. So please excuse the background noise of the doggy not a,
0: barking. Not a problem. We can hear you, fine.
1: Please, I hope so. So my email address is rosie, R O S I E, Torres T O R R E S, 51479 at gmail.com.
0: All right. Once again, thank you. And, um, Listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.